I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 548 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest returning to the podcast today. Eric Trump joins me on First Class Fatherhood. Eric is, of course, the executive vice president of the Trump Organization and a son of the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. The last time Eric joined me here on the podcast was back on episode 296, uh, which was right before the pandemic hit the world here and turned everybody's lives upside down. Both of Eric Trump's children were born while his father was the president of the United States. In fact, the last time Eric was here, he told a story about how he and his wife, Laura, told the Trump family that they were expecting their first child on inauguration night. Eric was a board member way back on the smash hit reality TV show, The Apprentice, which really seems like a lifetime ago now. Eric is an avid outdoorsman. He's constantly posting pictures of going fishing with his kids up there on Instagram. He's a first-class father all the way. I'm honored to have him back on the podcast. Eric Trump will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. Today's conversation with Eric Trump is available on my YouTube channel, so if you'd like to watch myself recording the conversation with Eric Trump, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. And if you guys enjoyed today's interview with Eric Trump, I'm sure you will enjoy my interviews with Mike Pompeo, Sean Hannity, Senator Josh Hawley, Rudy Giuliani, and many other dads. Please go through the archives of the show here and check them all out. And Eric Trump is the first of many great guests to join me here on the podcast this week. Still to come, astronaut Victor Glover will be here with me and Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill who, of course, killed Osama bin Laden and did join me on the podcast here way back on episode 54. Rob O'Neill returns for a second interview. Don't miss out on that. Be sure you follow me on my Instagram account, at Alec underscore Lace, to find out all the other upcoming guest announcements. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit me with that rating and review. Always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Eric Trump. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. What's doing, dads? I've got two ways for you guys to save money and support First Class Fatherhood. First up, the NFL season is back and the stands are packed once again with fans the way it's supposed to be. If you plan on taking your kids, going with your family, or going with the guys to the game, save $20 on your tickets by going to SeatGeek.com or using the SeatGeek app and use my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, First Class, and you get to save $20 off your tickets. Okay, and secondly, you got to go to MyPillow.com and save up to 66% off using my promo code FATHERHOOD. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD. I'll tell you right now, their pillows are great, but their mattress toppers, their towels, their bathrobes are next level. You got to check them out. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD, and you're going to save up to 66% off your order. All right, you got that, guys? SeatGeek, save $20 on your tickets, promo code over there, first class. My pillow promo code over there, fatherhood. All right, two ways for you guys to save money and support First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father Eric Trump. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Alex, great to be back. All right, well, we know you got the kids one and one here. Give us a little update. Uh, Luke, Carolina, how old are they now? How are they doing? Uh, they're doing great. Uh, Luke is four, Carolina's two, uh, really good kids, enjoying school. Um, they are, uh, they're so much fun. You know, I, I think four years old is probably the 
aged so far I've enjoyed the most. Um, they're kind of dependent enough. Um, every day you get another word, you get another thought. Um, you know, they challenge you in different ways. And um, uh, Luke's been just a lot of fun. And Carolina's coming into her own. I, I mean, I certainly have noticed my own kids that it seems like, you know, girls develop a little bit faster than, than boys. And, you know, my son's a lot of brawn. And, um, you know, my uh, my daughter is... Um, she's really uh, amazing in so many other ways. But um, listen, I love having two beautiful little kids, and they're growing fast, and I try never to uh, to take it for granted. Yeah, very cool. You got them down at the golf course yet? They're swinging the clubs or not just yet? They're swinging the clubs. Uh, Carolina's going to be a good little golfer. Luke loves it. Um, sometimes he likes running around the green more than he actually likes, you know, picking up a club and actually hitting the ball with it, which is just fine as long as they're out there. That's uh, that's all I care about. They both love riding golf carts. They like driving golf carts, meaning on my lap. And um, my son loves to sit in a little basket, you know, behind the, the seat of the golf cart and ride around. And so they're always out there. And, um, and yeah, we um, he loves fishing. We, we're always fishing on the lakes of, you know, various courses. And um, so he loves fishing. He loves golf. He loves swimming. Um, both of them do, quite frankly. They love uh, bouncy castles and everything else. And, um, yeah, they're having fun in life. Awesome. Well, listen, the last time we spoke, it was right before the whole world kind of got flipped upside down here. The coronavirus just was about to begin. Uh, and, obviously, kids your age, it's been a difficult challenge for a lot of parents out there. And I think they'll be studying the effects on young kids that this has had for years to come. Uh, how did you as a family, you, your wife, the kids, how did you guys kind of manage? How, how was it for you guys during the pandemic? Yeah, well, listen, the pandemic obviously um, hurt a lot of people and, um, you know, it was terrible across the board. Um, at the same time, it changed up habits, um, many for the worse and, um, you know, some certainly for the better. And I think, you know, as we look back in life, I think we're going to come to realize how it affected us and how it, you know, changed our patterns. And, and frankly, for me, um, as a guy who travels four or five days a week, it kind of slowed me down a little bit in terms of, of travel. I was home a lot more. Um, and I think I spent more time with my kids during that period of time than I ever had before. And I think it created a bond in us, um, that I would have, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have got to, but that was, um, certainly faster than I would have gotten to if I was doing two, 300,000 travel miles a year for, for work running our company. And in a certain way, um, for all the downsides of COVID, um, you know, kind of reuniting with family, not being able to go out to restaurants, not being able to hop on planes, not being able to travel, um, having, um, you know, offices shut down. Well, what did that mean? It meant, you know, a more family time, better family time, more uh, dinners at home, more time spent together, uh, more time spent in the outdoors. And um, again, COVID universally was horrible. Um, but I think, you know, if, if there's one good thing that'll come out of it, I think there's a lot of families that were um, almost reunited by it. And it's not that I was an absentee. I get home every night and I say prayers for my kids. And if I am uh, traveling, we are FaceTiming and we say little prayers together. And my son just learned the Pledge of Allegiance. So he'll stand there and he'll do the Pledge of Allegiance. It's a lot of fun. But um, I think the relationship uh, with my kids actually flourished during COVID because uh, so many of the other distractions that would you know typically occupy your time, so many of the other expectations, which are far less important, by the way, um, were canceled, were shut down, um, weren't available during that time. And I think for kind of young fathers, that was actually, um, you know, kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah, definitely a silver lining for a lot of dads to reconnect with their families. And I'm with you there too, Eric. My, my favorite part of the day, I have the four kids, the six of us sit down to eat dinner every night at six o'clock. We pray together. Technology is away. It's my favorite part of the day. So, but one of the things that's been challenging for the kids, uh, although they got more family time, 
they were away from all their friends. I know your kids are small. I, I don't really like the word play date, but to get a chance to go and, and you know play with other kids and stuff like that, had they been able to do that? And I, I, obviously your brother, uh, Don, five kids, your sister's got kids. How was their relationship like with their cousins? And did they get a chance to spend a lot of time with them throughout the year? Yeah, well, certainly COVID, I think, probably put a damper on a lot of play dates, but you had kind of, you know, two trains of thoughts. You had our train of thought, which is let kids be kids and go out and play with their friends. And, you know, the infection rate of children is obviously very, very low and they're the least susceptible um, segment of our society to getting COVID or to getting it, um, you know, badly. They see the least kind of effects. Um, so you had parents who let their kids continue to play and let their kids continue to roll around the mud and, you know, hang out with other friends and neighbors and other things. And then, you certainly had parents that took the opposite approach, which um, kind of shielded their, you know, their families. And and by the way, that's individual freedoms that we have as American. You can make those, you know, choices. And so, um, my kids still went on play dates, and they still had a lot of fun. I think there were a lot of people who were a lot more cautious, especially at the beginning when a lot less was known about COVID, and you know, everybody was still learning. And I think the world has opened up where um, a lot more of that's more acceptable um, now. But you're right. I mean, I think the one thing that really bothers me about COVID and it's just kind of maybe a little bit of practical reality of life is when you have a little four-year-old wearing a mask and, you know, they're with other kids who are being forced to wear a mask in a school or somewhere else and, you know, they can't see that each other smile, they can't see each other giggle, they can't kind of tell their mannerisms, they can't read their friends' faces because, again, they're covered. You know, aside from being little kids who want to be free and, you know, again, not being wearing something over their entire face, it's it's really sad to see that happen and, um you know, it's unfortunate. It's just, it's, you know, you want kids to be free. You want kids to be able to live their lives and enjoy their, um, their youth and, um, you know, enjoy school. And, um, and certainly a lot of the precautions, and I understand why so many of them were needed, but a lot of the precautions, I think, hurt that, you know, segment much more than it probably hurted you, you know, hurt you and I, which, you know, wearing masks was maybe an annoyance or an inconvenience. Um, you know, I think, it certainly impacts kind of youth a little bit differently than it impacts us. Yeah, one of the things that's very hard for me to even explain to the kid, Derek, I, you know, they're all in school. The only I'm in New Jersey here. The only place the kids are required to wear them is in school. Like, I could take them to the library. I could take them to the movie theater, to the mall. Anywhere else, they're not required to wear them except for in school. So how, how to explain that scientifically, what makes sense out of that, has been a challenge. And staying on the school system, uh, our country has fallen by far behind here, Eric, as far as reading, math, science goes. I just had uh, one of the world's best-selling authors, James Patterson, on the podcast. He talked about the, the epidemic or the importance of getting kids to read at grade level. They've fallen so far behind. The schools seem to be so concerned about the masks and the mandates and all this other stuff. But when it comes to the actual education, uh, it's been a colossal failure here, in my opinion. What's your take? I think that's 100% right. I think the kind of dichotomy of education in this country is um, incredibly wide. You have some of the best schools in the world. You do have the best schools anywhere in the world, and that's why you have so many, um, you know, children from every other country um, literally fleeing to the U.S. to um, become educated, right? And that's kind of the, you know, higher-level um university system in this country, and then I think you have the opposite side of the spectrum where uh, the educational system is totally failing, and um, and they're not doing a good job, and the priorities are um, totally out of sync. I mean, I remember as a kid when I was in school, you know, we were learning Latin, um, but yet nowhere would anybody teach you how to finance, you know, uh, calculate a mortgage payment on a, on a house, finance a house, uh, calculate a mortgage payment on a car, how to lease a car, or just basic 
principles that would serve you every single day in life. I mean, I have friends that can't hang a picture on the wall yet, you know, they were learning how to conjugate verbs in, you know, a dead language. And um, there's place for all of it. Uh, but sometimes I think the um, priorities of this educational system are completely skewed and, and frankly, purposely skewed. And that's a very worrisome thing to me. And frankly, um, Alec, it was one of my, you know, father's kind of guiding principles on the campaign trail he spoke about every single day, which is, how in the world are we ranked 30th in terms of education, yet by far we spend more money um, on each child than any other country in the world? It's not even close. We spend more money per kid than first, second, third, fourth, and fifth combined, yet our results still lead to a uh, society where you're 30th in the world, and that's a real problem. Um, you know, if we were spending less than we were 30th in the world, then, hey, there's one thing, then you can reinvest and you can put more money toward the problem and hopefully solve it. The problem is we put the most money toward the problem and we still have the worst result, and that's not acceptable. Yeah, well, hopefully better things to come here soon, somewhere down the line. And I know uh, your wife, Laura, was uh, considering a run uh, as a Senate uh, for the Senate seat there in North Carolina. Her hometown ultimately decided uh, not to go forward with it. What was kind of your opinion? I, I, obviously, you guys spoke about this as a family. What was your take or what was your opinion on her uh, running for, for that, uh, you know, the position of the Senate? Or, and how do you feel about her running again in the future? Well, it was really interesting. It was an interesting time in our lives, and she would have won. I mean, she was leading all the polls by 30, 40, 50 points, and this was an 11-way race. I mean, you know, her name recognition in the state's phenomenal. People love her, um, and um, I really think she would have been the next senator from North Carolina at the same time. Um, as a young mother and kind of a young family, the the real choice um, had to be made. Um, is this something that I can take on, that I'm going to be going to events, three, four, five events every single day uh, for several years? I'm not going to be able to interact with my kids. I'm not going to be able to see my children. I mean, it's that's an awful big-time commitment, as you can probably imagine. I mean, I've lived campaign trails, and most of the time you're stopping in gas stations all day, um, you know, grabbing, you know, chips and Red Bull, um, you know, and, and that it's not exactly conducive to, to raising a two-year-old and a four-year-old and, and being kind of a present parent. And, and there's nothing more important to, to Laura than our kids. And um, I give her a lot of credit. I think it's incredibly, you know, brave of her to do. And, uh, you know, my kids come first. Um, she could have had that Senate seat. And, you know, there's nothing more prestigious in the country than being a United States senator. And um, there's no question she could have had it. She would have won it. In fact, you'll remember, people wouldn't even enter the race knowing that you know, the proposition existed that she was going to be running. I mean, you had serious people who were governors of states and who literally wouldn't enter the race because of this. And um, so I give her a lot of credit. She wanted to put a little Luke in Carolina first. Uh, she loves them. She's an amazing mom. Uh, she wakes them up every single morning. She puts them down every night. She gives them a bath every night. She says prayers. I mean, she picks them up at school and drops them off at school. And I mean, she's just an amazing, amazing mom. And she is beyond hands-on, and um, and I give her a lot of credit for making that decision because not everyone would have done the same thing. Yeah, very well said, Eric. And obviously all the talk of the town is about your dad, whether or not he's running again for president in 2024. What do you feel as, as a son and as a dad going through this entire thing again, campaign trail, presidency, if elected, president again? Uh, what, do, what do you feel about this, whether your dad, what's the pros, which way would you, you could play it either way. Your dad decides to run, your dad decides not to run. What's the best part and the worst part about both uh, scenarios? Yeah, well, I could I could spend hours answering that question, but, you know, I can tell you there's nothing pleasant about politics. Um, it's a thankless job, um, especially when you get into the right, for the right reasons. And I can tell you, like, there's a lot of people who get into it for the absolute wrong reasons. There are very few people who get into it for the right reasons. And, 
you know, my father was sick and tired of seeing what was happening to this country. And, you know, just look at the last eight months. Look at how everything's kind of self-destructed under bad leadership. And uh, he had viewed all these problems. He had seen all these problems all these years. And um, he wanted to go in. He wanted to do something about it. And he didn't cost. He didn't care if it cost him a, a billion dollars or two billion dollars or whatever the you know monetary sacrifice was to him. He just didn't care. He loves America. He loves his country. And um, he was going to do it. And I can't tell you how many arrows we all took um, in so many different ways and um and we do it all over again because again we live in the greatest country in the world and you know frankly the people in washington universally across the board are just incompetent they're not the best they're not the brightest um they fight for so oftentimes the wrong reasons their motivations are um oftentimes corrupt and it's um you know it's very very sad and again look at you know kind of the state of the world right now i mean our shelves are half empty we've got literally thousands of boats that can't unload in ports. We have rampant inflation. We um, just gave $86 billion, $86 billion to a group of terrorists um, who chant death to America. Uh, we left Afghanistan after 20 years and thousands of lives, and that $86 billion spent um, absolutely um, disgraced. We look weak in front of China and Russia and you know all our adversaries around the world. Uh, this week, China launched a hypersonic missile um, that went all the way around the globe several times at low Earth orbit, and yet, you know, our generals are sitting there um, discussing renaming bases to, you know, placate somebody or, um, you know, talking about, um, you know, sensitivity training of our military or, um, you know, leaking damaging articles to the media uh, to make themselves look better so they can go out and sell a book later on in life. Yet, you know, what China's focused on, you know, is creating, you know, weapons to ultimately be the superpower of the world. And it just seems like our, our priorities are, are totally backward. Um, gas prices are through the roof, heating oil, natural gas, regular, obviously, um, gas for vehicles through the roof. Um, the price of cars is through the roof, price of food and clothing uh, through the roof. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's very, very sad. People are trying to order presents for their kids for the holidays and Three quarters of them are sold out and won't be here until after the holidays because, again, kind of, you know, the incompetence of this administration. And I think indirectly it's why we were fighting. We had the wherewithal to. It's, we had the backbone to. We had the means uh, to fight. Just really interesting to see how fast something can go downhill under incompetent leadership. Yeah, and it has gone downhill, Eric. And one of the things that's crazy for me is during your dad's time as, as president, people were comparing him to Hitler, calling him a Nazi. And now here we go. You got a mandate where you can't even get into a bar or a restaurant unless you show your paperwork that you got a vaccine. And people are like, yeah, that's okay. That's yeah, normal. It's very mind-boggling, the, the whole thing. Well, you know, when they tell half the military, please, you know, you're either going to get dishonorably discharged um, or you get vaccinated, and they tell everybody in the Secret Service the same thing. You're going to... Uh, be fired if you don't get vaccinated. And they're telling this to teachers and they're telling this to, you know, the same medical professionals that a year ago during COVID were our heroes and we used to have commercials about are the same people that they're now firing because they won't uh, succumb to being forced to get an injection by the United States government. And, hey, I'm I'm a, you know, total advocate of the vaccine. Um, my father created the vaccine. He was the one I heard those phone calls at uh, 10 o'clock at night when he was literally pushing the FDA to move at speeds that they had never moved, that they were incapable of moving at if you didn't have a Donald Trump down there saying, you're going to get this done and you're going to get this problem solved. And I think my father saved literally tens of millions of lives with it. 
Um, at the same time, you know, where in the world does individual freedom get thrown out the window? Could you imagine? I mean, whatever happened a year ago was, you know, it's my body, my choice. It's kind of interesting now that it, you know, when it pertains to the vaccine, you know, it's no longer my body, my choice. It's you do what I tell you to do. And that's deeply troubling. And so, you know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. In fact, I was a guy who got the vaccine because I just happened to not care. And I believed in what my father did at the same time to see the way that they're trying to push it on little children, to see the way that they're trying to push it on people who just don't believe in it or think they're healthy or, you know, having gotten COVID or had COVID and already have the antibodies for it um, or so many other groups of people, I think is absolutely disgusting. I think it's un-American. Um, you know, we as a country, Alec, were founded based on us revolting against people who tried to force things down our throats. And um, I think the one thing that you don't do to Americans is, is have the government, have a government um, tell them what to do. That's never worked out well in our history before. And um, And I just find kind of the way that they've gone about the vaccine, absolutely horrible. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And they're even taking it a step further. They're calling these parents that are speaking up at these school board meetings, they're calling them domestic terrorists for, for trying sure. to stick up for their kids. So uh, that, that part of it is wild as well. And I wanted to just, if you could, Eric, please take it back into your childhood with your dad. If you could give me, tell me what one of the fondest memories you have of your dad as a kid growing up and then flip that coin into a time where you got yourself in some trouble or some hot water and your dad had to, had to bring a little reprimand on you. Oh, wow. Um, I have so many good memories with him. I think, you know, you and I have spoke about this before, but, you know, this was Donald Trump in, you know, the 1980s and he was developing everything in New York. And, you know, I, I was the kid that got to walk around these kind of, you know, skeletons of skyscrapers as they were being built and steel was going up and, you know, guys were out there with torches and, you know, and pouring concrete and, you know, the, the very same toys that I love playing with, um, you know, bulldozers and dump trucks and cement trucks and tractors, all of a sudden you saw them in real life and you're, you know, two feet tall and you're walking around these sites and it's just, the world is so big and it's so impressive and there's so much to learn. And, you know, I just remember those memories vividly walking by his side and, um, you know, him talking to contractors and, you know, and it, it was just, it was, to me, it was always fascinating, especially as a guy who just has like building ingrained in my, in my DNA. And, you know, he was a great father. He used to do that. I mean, there was never a time where he wouldn't take our call. It didn't matter if he was on with, you know, Rudy Giuliani at the time, who was the mayor of New York. It didn't matter if he was on with the president. It didn't matter if he was on with the biggest finance or real estate guy. If we called, he would put us on the phone, you know, most of the time with them. You know, hello, Mr. You know, hello, Mr. Mayor. Hello, Mr. Giuliani. Um, you know, he just, he would never, ever, ever refuse our call. And I, uh, I take that to heart, you know, now with my own kids again. I don't care where I am if I'm not at home. I don't care where I am at 745 when my phone rings, when my FaceTime goes off. I will step out of anything I'm doing, anywhere I'm at, and I will say my prayers with, you know, my two little kids. And, um, and I'm just religious about it. I will not miss it. Um, I don't miss it in the, under any circumstance. I might apologize to somebody at a time, but it's just something that I'm very religious about. And, you know, my father was, um, he had those same kind of habits with us. And again, every, I think I might have even told you this story, Alec, but, you know, every day before I went to school, um, I'd walk into his room, the same thing every single day. This, you know, Eric, no drinking, no drugs, no smoking. Um, Dad, what's drinking? What's drugs? What's smoking? I'd be four years old. And um, he goes, don't worry about it. Just whatever you do, no drinking, no drugs, no smoking. And, you know, so you just had a little habits. You know, I try and form habits in my children and good habits. And, you know, my father did the same thing for us. And 
um, you know, repetition, I think, is incredibly important. And um, consistency is very, very key. And being present is very key. And listen, you know, all fathers and mothers and, you know, we're all busy people in life. We're being pulled in a thousand different directions. But, um, you know, taking that moment to make that little extra effort where no matter what you're doing, you will take that moment for your child. You will take the five minutes to say prayers. You know, I think that's something that my kids will, you know, very much remember. And frankly, the days that I can't do that, because literally the only times that I, I'm not able to do that is literally if I'm on a plane in midair going somewhere where you can't, you know, call or FaceTime them. My kids are literally visibly upset because of it, because they miss dad. And, you know, they know the repetition we form every single night. And I just, I think that's usually important um, within a family and to a father. Yeah, great stuff, Eric. And then I'm I'm kind of curious. One thing about me, I, I became an uncle the day I was born. I have one nephew that's a month older than me. I had another nephew when I became seven. Your brother, Baron, obviously became an uncle at a young age. Uh, what is he like as an uncle? What's his relationship like with the kids when they get around Uncle Baron? Well, I'm very mad at Baron because I was um, I was the tallest guy in my in my family until he came along. My my father calls me the sh- the short son now, and I'm six five, right? So I'm not exactly uh. I'm not exactly a short guy, and um, you know, Baron is 14 years old, and he's six seven. He's literally he got he, he has me by at least two inches right now, and um, but he's a great guy. Um, he's really kind of coming into his own, and um, you know, he's he's just wonderful. He's going to have a great future ahead of him, and um, you know, he's nice, he's funny, he's kind, he's uh, massively tall, and um, but uh, he's got a great relationship with my kids, and you know, we're all very very close. You know, between. Uh, Don and Ivanka and myself, there's, you know, 10 grandchildren and, you know, they love each other. And, um, you know, my brother spends a lot of time in the outdoors, as do I. And uh, the kids have these little ATVs or these little, you know, 45, 50 cc ATVs and they're just running around on them. They absolutely love them. My son, you know, kind of idolizes his uh, older siblings, his older cousins. And, um, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of personalities. There's a lot of different personalities, and um, but they love each other, and um, they have a lot of fun together. Awesome. What's next for you here, Eric? Any plan? Oh, you guys have any plans on putting a golf course on Mars and a moon here? What what kind of what kind of goals or plans you got for the future here for yourself? Well, uh, a, a lot of goals, uh, a lot of plans. Business is, is great. Um, the company's never been uh, literally. The company's never been better. Um, so a lot of great things going on, and. You know, we'll be watching 22 very closely, and, you know, we'll be watching 2024 20, very closely. Again, you know, we are a family who's just so invested in this country, um, and um, we fought so hard, and kind of just seeing what's happening as of late is just hugely depressing to all of us, and, you know, we're ready to keep fighting. And uh, I think, you know, top of that list of things that we'll be fighting for is exactly what you and I are talking about, you know, kind of traditional, you know, family, um, you know, values, um, kids. Uh, education, you know, everything that goes with that, right? Keeping family, family, keeping, you know, the American family, keeping, you know, the American traditions, Christmas and Thanksgiving and Halloween. You see this new latest kick over the last two weeks where now all of a sudden they're trying to ban Halloween because why not let, you know, my son and daughter dress up. My daughter is dressing up as a butterfly. My son's dressing up as Louis the Lizard. You know, why not? take that away from children who literally spend a month thinking about that date and, you know, painting their faces and painting pumpkins. And, you know, these are things that we have to fight for. We have to fight for Christmas. We have to fight for um, the holidays. We have to fight for family tradition. We have to fight for religion. We have to fight for, um, 
you know, uh, kind of parents and and actually raising your children and uh, guiding your children and um, praising your children when they do great things and frankly disciplining your children when, you know, to keep them on the straight and narrow. And um, so much of that has been lost in our country. We better get it back because I think that's kind of the the bedrock, the foundation of who we are as a nation, um, what we'll ultimately stand for, how we'll act, how we'll treat others, um, how we'll be seen in the world. And um, we better not lose the family dynamic um, because it's just it's so critically important in every facet of life. Yeah, well, listen, there's no way for me to understand the sacrifices that you guys have made, and I just know that we would be blessed as a nation to have your family back in that White House. So uh, prayers for you and your family there. And, yeah, I talk about that fatherless crisis we got all the time on the podcast here. So uh, we definitely got to strengthen our family units in this country. And I don't want to keep you any longer here. The last thing I want to hit you with here, Eric, I'd love to ask you, I want to ask second time around here, what kind of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Yeah. I would say consistency. You know, find something that you're consistent um, and always do it, uh, no matter what day it is, no matter what time it is. Find the one thing that, you know, you want consistency and you can provide in your life is that, you know, what my father did to me every morning before I left for school, again, no drinking, no drugs, no smoking, um, or what I do for my kids where I tuck them in every single night and say prayers with them, say the Pledge of Allegiance and, um, if under some circumstance I can't be there because, again, you know, I run a big company and I have to travel around, I will be there on the phone. Uh, find whatever that is that's consistent in their lives and be there and be present. Um, and when you are home, be present. Um, I just think, you know, the the 20 minutes, you know, of, of just nonstop, um, you know, active kind of engagement with a child versus the two hours of sitting on your phone and, um, zoning off as you you know flick through uh, you know Instagram or something else you know that 20 minutes means all the world to to those kids and just the way you can get them to engage is is something really special and um, create consistency and live by that consistency and it's uh, it's certainly paid off thus far I'm a young father but it's it's working it's absolutely working yeah very well said I love the message uh, it's been an honor to have you back in the podcast Eric Trump you're a first class father all the way and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood it's great to be with you. Huck. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Eric Trump for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. If you guys are interested in helping to support the podcast here and getting a better night's sleep, you got to go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD. You're going to save up to 66% on your order. And I'm telling you right now, if you guys have never slept on the mattress topper from MyPillow, you are truly missing out. It's my favorite product that they got. So go visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout. You're going to save up to 66% on your order, and you're going to help support the podcast here. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Your half-truths and